here today with Christina Gadd and Kevin M. Yates. Hi, Christina and Kevin. Hi. Hi, John. Lovely to uh, be speaking to you again. Hello, John. Hi, Kevin. And thank you very much, Kevin, for getting up very early today. I do appreciate it. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be here. And and here on the other side of the pond, it is pretty early. But uh, I'm excited to, uh, to talk to you today. Well, most of our listeners are on your side of the pond, actually. I don't know why, uh, but okay. I think it's like 75% of people that listen to this are in the States or Canada. So wow. you're, in the, you're, in, you're in the majority, Kevin. <laughs> well, well, that's good to hear. <laughs> we, you, um, we, we talked about this previously, and, and you've come up with this really interesting idea uh, about the identity crisis in learning and development, and, and are we really fulfilling our purpose? So we're going to talk about that. But first of all, I just wanted to ask, you know, what brought you two guys together? Because you're in very different parts of the world. Christina up there in Leeds. Kevin, you're in Chicago. Is that right? I am. I am. I'm in Chicago land. Yes, I'm actually in a very small suburb just south of uh, uh, metropolitan Chicago area. But uh, you know, for all practical purposes, I'm in Chicago. Yes. Okay. So you're in the United States' third city, and Christina's in the UK's third city. So, but w- oh, what made so common thread? Yeah, yeah. That's it. That's what you have in common. <laughs> so. Um, uh, although uh, people people in Manchester would probably disagree with me on this on this point, but I'm insisting on it as as, as a Leeds boy. Good for you, good for you. Yes, and Kevin and I, I think we were at the same conference at one point. We may have been. Is that right, Kevin? Yeah, I think that we but we didn't and, meet. Yeah, well, our paths didn't cross. Um, no, our, our, it was on yeah. social media, wasn't it? Afterwards. That's right. That's right. And um, hey, why, why don't you tell us? Uh, or rather, why don't you talk about that first conversation we had, Christina, and I'll just chime in. Well, um, we our paths crossed, I think, on social media. You liked something that, that I liked uh, or I'd written or something and then commented on it. And I think we just got into a conversation, didn't we, online. Um, and we just felt that we had lots of common interests. We're both a bit geeky when it comes to data and analysis, <laughs> aren't we? And so we arranged to have that. We arranged to have a phone call, and I think we'd scheduled it for half an hour. And I think we we're still talking after an hour, weren't we? That's right. That's right. I, I remember that first conversation, and I, I just remember how connected I felt after we had that conversation. I remember getting off the phone and saying, "Wow, I have, I have found a kindred spirit, someone who." It believes in what I believe in as it relates to data and measuring impact for training and learning and talent development. And yeah, so I think that the way in which Christina and I met is a good example of how social media can really be used for the good, right? And so with with me being here in, in, uh, in the United States and, and Christina being in uh you know, in Britain on the other side of the pond, if you will, even with that distance, uh, social media brought us together. Um, yeah. and social media brought us together because of what we have in common. So I think that, you know, for me, it was probably one of the best interactions I've had. Uh, oh. just in, and, and, and I'm only saying because it's true. <laughs> oh, well, I'm really pleased. Oh, listen, I'm going to stop I... this now. I'm going to stop this <laughs> oh, now. This is, this no. is, this is, uh, this is becoming a bit of a love fest, this. Um, I'm going to oh. break into the middle of this. Okay, okay. Well, well, I, have to say, I so. have to say, just before you break it up, though, what I really appreciated about Kevin was that we come from very different backgrounds because my background um, originally was in engineering, but we do have a very similar approach, and that was really, really inspiring for me. And knowing that there's somebody else out there who has that same passion for 
aligning the business to you know metrics and stuff so yeah i'll finish there we'll stop there now kevin yeah this mutual appreciation you know i, I can't cope with this much of it this uh, <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm gonna uh, this 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 might get very geeky this podcast because I, I love all this evaluation and data stuff as well but kevin you said that you felt you'd found this kindred spirit that someone who really appreciated what you appreciate what is that? What 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 was it that you say is the thing that you really believe in? So what I really believe is that there are facts, evidence, and data that shows us whether or not training has made an impact. And so, you know, some people call it measurement. Some people call it data. Some people call it analytics. I just call it facts. So what I have an inherent belief in is that if you do the work, uh, if you roll up your sleeves, uh, if you are curious, uh, you can use measurement to uncover whether or not your training efforts and your learning and development efforts are actually changing people's performance on the job. And you can take that further and use measurement and data to determine the extent to which training and learning is impacting organization or business goals. So at the core of what I do, um, and I inherently believe this, that if you do the work, you can uncover and discover the extent to which training, learning, and talent development is impacting and changing anything at all. And I believe that there's metrics and data that that, that does that. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more with you. This is something that I'm really, really interested in as well. But one thing that I find is that the business itself don't particularly feel that a lot of L&D is that important. It feels like a bit of a, what's the word, a peripheral activity some kind of nice to have, a little thing to give the employees a box to tick. It doesn't feel like it drives the business performance. Yeah, I think that's one of those things that I really identify with. And, and I, I come across very, very uh, frequently that L&D is on the periphery. And I think during our conversation as well, Kevin, we talked about how to, I suppose, get into the organization, really infiltrate it and make sure that you're part of it and part of what's going on. Um, and often when I speak to people, um, I, I talk to them about the fact that, you know, we don't have to in L&D measure everything, that if we are connected to the business and the organization, that the business will be measuring loads of stuff and as, you know, that's important. And if you hit the right spot, if you've actually um, uncovered what the, the business actually needs, then the business will measure it as well. So, so yeah, we're in agreement in, in all of those areas all three of us there you yep. go and, and i would even take it a step further and say how much i agree with christina she says something there that was very powerful so so i hope that we don't you know i, I don't want to miss it what christina said is that we don't have to measure everything and we don't um as a matter of fact i have a mantra and my mantra is find one thing about a person's behavior or performance you can attribute to training or learning and let that lead to the facts about impact. So we don't have to try to measure the whole kit and caboodle. If we can start with one area of performance impact and show how that impact came from training or learning, then I believe that we have been successful. And then if we can find that one thing, then we can find another thing and another thing and another thing. So it just leads on. But to Christina's point, it Initially, you don't have to set out to try to measure everything because, to be quite candid, I don't believe you'll be successful if you take that route. No, and I think also um, trying to trying to actually decipher 
what it is that you have to measure. Again, L&D can't do that in isolation. You have to talk to people. You have to talk to the people that you are measuring in terms of their performance, but also the stakeholders as well. And this is where the, the word that where you've really got your finger on the pulse of the organization, you know what it is that people need and you know who to ask as well if you're not sure about what it is what aspect of performance then you need you need to also then find out who's that go-to person who i can find out uh, what it is that we actually need to be measuring what you've both said here is about the, the importance of these metrics aligning to the business and being of value to the business and i think that's a really important point that we we can kind of like go into in a second but you've also this is called an identity crisis you said that you think the reputation of learning development is in jeopardy these are quite big claims what why is that where's that coming from these sort of quite eye-catching claims that you're making yeah well i i've been in lnd for a long time um over 30 years now and i've seen lots of things come and go and this is stuff that we've been talking about i know for you know probably about the same length of time as i've been in lnd and I think it's time we just, we, we, we actually smartened up our act and actually got it all together and focused on what's important, not get distracted by lots of new and shiny things that are out there, which are fabulous. Don't get me wrong, they're fabulous, but we need to get onto it. And I think that's, that's the key thing. If you've been around, and, and Kevin's been around a bit of a while as well, not quite as long as me, but he's been around a while. And I'm sure he's seen this, you know, coming and going and the same things repeated over and over again. You know, the, the myths getting churned out, the, um, you know, the problems that we have in L&D. And I want, I want to be able to help people to address those things. You know, let's get focused. And um, to be honest, I think a lot of the time there's a fear about data as well. Because of my background, I've never had a fear of numbers, but I really recognize that some people have that fear of, you know, you mentioned analysis or maths, and they do get pretty scared about it. And so I think I'd love to help people who have that fear just to find a simple way of, of, of overcoming that fear and getting focused onto the organization, getting focused onto specific aspects of performance and the business measuring that. Yeah, and, and, and I think it really is about our identity, John. And so we, on some levels, I do believe that we are at risk of losing our identity. So for me, learning and development and training fulfills its highest purpose when it helps people and the organizations they serve use their performance in a way that helps the organization win, right? So when they can win and when people can win and when the organization can win and when learning and development contributes to the performance that helps people win, that's when we are fulfilling our highest purpose. So when you think about our identity, who we are and where our focus is and what we should be doing, for me, it is just that simple. And so to Christina's point, there are some really exciting things that are happening in training and learning and development right now. You know, there's talk about um, artificial intelligence and machine learning and chatbots and different ways of measuring now with things like XAPI and all that. So there are some incredible, wonderful things, exciting things that are happening in learning and development right now. But I believe that they have a place. I don't believe that those new and shiny and wonderful things should take priority over our purpose. 
I don't believe that those new and shiny things should take a front seat to where we should be really defining our identity. We need to know who we are. Um, as a profession, we are empowering people and teams to use their performance to help the organization win through our training and our learning solutions. That's who we are. And so when we begin to focus more on all the new things that are coming along in training and learning and development and focus less on our purpose, then that's where we begin to lose our identity. So I think that if we always have at the forefront our, our purpose, if we always have at our first thought the idea around how do we fulfill our purpose, I think that that's when we can then begin to use those new and shiny things to help us fulfill those purpose, the rather that purpose. But and those, I, yeah, go and ahead, I could have said that better, to be honest. In fact, you said it far better. Just that, you know, if we know what we are about, then we can use these new and shiny things, which are, again, are fantastic, to actually really make a difference, you know, and to actually um, – to leverage those new technologies. But if we are woolly about what we're trying to achieve, then they just end up being a distraction, but they also ruin our reputation because L&D is, is seen as being frivolous in some ways. Whereas if we can show a business impact, um, but it's appropriate that we've chosen a tool that's appropriate to the actual um, issue that we're trying to solve or the performance um, issue that we're trying to solve, then our reputation is built up because we're not just using technology because it's there or because it's been bought or because it's new and shiny. We're using it because it's enhancing what the organization does. So, yeah, all of those points, Kevin, I agree with. Yeah, I think and, it's, it's just and, a really... Oh, go ahead, John. I was just going to say, so I think it's, it, it's the key point, and I was... I was just writing something about this actually just at the weekend that the scope of L&D I think has, has drifted because we used to, when I first started in, in L&D uh, 25 years ago whatever it was we were essentially trainers and we were responsible for nothing once that person left the, the training room we had to just do as good a job as we could within that time to make sure that the person learned something but that was the end of our responsibility and that has really drifted to be to, to exactly what you're saying, Kevin, where we are about helping people improve their performance at work, which may or may not involve any training. That doesn't really matter. The point is, are they able to, as you said, be empowered to perform better so that the organization performs better? If that's the yes. scope of what we do, then that completely shifts the whole, the goalpost in terms of how we measure. Because instead of... Yeah. The whole and, thing and I changes. That, yeah, I think that has something to do with the identity crisis. And you've hit the nail on the head, John, because if you think about the paradigm shift, and, and I'm a part of that shift, that, that change in mindset, which is so critical. And so for me, I think about who did I believe I was as a trainer professional 20 years ago? Who did I believe I was 10 years ago? And who do I believe I am now? So, you know, some of that identity crisis is very real for me because because it's been a part of my experience, just really figuring out who I am as a learning and development professional. Um, and so now at this point in my career, I have so much clarity about my identity and so much clarity about who I believe uh, learning and development needs to be. And it just really is what we're all just talking about here. When, when we think about ourselves um, and in the midst of this identity crisis, uh, I believe that we need to be very clear 
about the role that we serve in terms of helping people use their performance in a way that helps them and the organization win. And that can come through in a number of different ways. To your point, John, it isn't always training. Uh, sometimes it's some other way in which we can support people heighten their performance or use their performance. So I think that we really have to be clear and come to agreement about who we are and our role in the, in the organization. And I'd just like to to pick up on that point as well about what um, John said about it doesn't need to be training. Um, and this this really sort of then speaks into what do we do to find out beforehand what the actual issue is? And, you know, I've stopped using the words um, training needs analysis. Rarely I will use learning needs analysis, but I tend to use the phrase needs analysis because what we've got to be doing is taking a broader view. We need to be not just looking at you know, what the latest sticking plaster of a training course might be that we can squeeze into this particular issue or even what people need to learn, but really try to understand what's going on. Um, and then there's another fear, I think, that comes in, and not just fear of, of data, but fear of looking silly or fear of looking that we don't know what the organisation is doing. Now, we are in a unique position in L&D in that we can ask those daft questions because we're not the people who um, are actually doing the business, as it were, if we don't understand an aspect of the business, we can ask those awkward questions and say, well, can you explain why this works and why it doesn't work? Because we have got that um, unique position where we've got oversight and a, and a big picture view of the whole of the organisation, not just our departments that we're in. And so I think we need to be using that. Part of our identity is to take a broader view. And I don't know whether people um, are accepting that all of the time, that that is part of our identity to take that broader view. Well, I think you're right. And I think if, if people in organizations, senior people in organizations did have that broader view, backed up by the data that, that you were saying, Kevin, or the facts, as you called them, then we, step, then we start being less peripheral. Then we're starting to be seen as something that is more dry, a real part of how the organization achieves success how the place gets value absolutely and it, it's it's a very different conversation that conversation that christina was talking about is very different than the conversation that we're used to having um and and what we've what we've been uh traditionally we've been placed in the position of being order takers right and so it's almost as if the the business or the organization sees us as fulfillment of their order or, you know, sees us as taking their order. So, you know, someone comes to us and says, you know, I'll take uh, two web-based trainings, uh, two e-learnings and a side order of classroom to go. <laughs> and so when we change that kind of conversation to one where we are diving deep into what the business needs to be successful, um, what the organization needs from its people, in terms of performance requirements to achieve a goal, when we're talking about how we can empower people to use their performance in a way that helps them be successful, that's very different than having a conversation around training. And, and so I believe that at the end of the day, we need to be focused on where we can support the business in winning, uh, where we can support people in winning, have that kind of conversation. And then when we need to talk about what the appropriate solution is, we can have that conversation later. But what should really drive our thinking and drive our conversations at the forefront 
is deep conversation that helps us uncover what are the real business needs? What are the real needs of the organization? And, and sometimes what stops us from doing that is not only our own identity crisis, but the identity which people uh, ascribe to us as mm. well, because mm -hmm. we haven't had that explicit conversation perhaps about what people feel that L&D should be doing. So what ends up happening is that there's a barrier. As soon as you try to dig deeper, people, people are starting to then go, well, I just want this training delivered. I just want this rolling out because this is what you've always done. And they see it as being oppositional. So my response to that has been in the past, okay, so let's imagine that I deliver this training and in six months' time, nothing has changed. Um, so people aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. People haven't stopped doing what you want them to stop doing. Who are you going to blame? And that usually stops them quite short because they usually say, well, you. I said, well, okay, well, I need to know what's really going on. So then I ask more questions about, so tell me, what makes you think that you need conflict management? Tell me about all the conflicts that are going on and what, how's it hampering the business? What's going on? And usually after a, a few minutes of I don't really know or mm, I'm not sure and what have you, they usually get the idea that maybe we need to dig a little bit deeper. So part of this identity, I think, is also the identity really that the business is ascribing to us. And, and I think sometimes if, if we have been given the wrong identity, we need to start having those conversations about what we should be doing in the organization. That, that's a, a wonderful point, Christina. And and as, I, as you were speaking, I was thinking about that, right? And so I suspect that so many of our colleagues and our, our peers, or as I like to call them, our L&D brothers and sisters, who really want to see themselves as performance consultants to the business. Uh, but then the business is engaging with us in a different kind of way. So we have our own internal struggle with our identity crisis, because on the one hand, there is that professional who we want to be that professional who is helping solve business problems through training and learning solutions that support performance. But then the business and the organization sees us again as that order taker. So there's, you know, again, there's that, that internal struggle that we have amongst ourselves about who we are. And that also contributes to that identity crisis that we're talking about. So yeah, that, that's a great point, Christina. Yeah, we have to renegotiate who we are if we're gonna shift the, the goalposts. Yes. Um, we have it's to renegotiate. Yeah. It's almost, um, it's, it's like a rebranding. I know, Kevin, you're very into sort of personal brands and being authentic <laughs> and everything, but it is, all, it is almost about, then, well, who are we? And are we just wanting to be order takers? And, you know, what do we want to achieve? Do we want to make a difference? Um, and, and back to sort of like, you know, 30 years ago, I was happy if I delivered a course and I got great feedback. You know, mm -hmm, that's, that mm -hmm. was the end of it. But looking back now, I think actually that was just quite a shallow, that was quite a shallow um, ambition because actually what I would love to know is what impact did that have when they went back? But I didn't know that when I started out. So do we, do we need to start educating ourselves in L India? I don't know, but I, I wanted to get this conversation going with Kevin because, you know, we thought in the same way. So if people listen to this conversation and start to question their own identity and start to question the identity that's been given them by the organization, then I feel quite happy that, you know, this conversation has been worthwhile as well. Yeah, and you know what? You're spot on. We need to be clear about who we are. And at the end of the day, it is about mindset. And so I believe 
Christina John, that we need to be very bold and courageous and stand firm in knowing who we are. And what I suspect will happen, because it happened to me, is that when we are clear about our identity as learning and development professionals and the way in which we can change the business, when we're clear about that, when we have changed that mindset to say we can produce training and learning and performance support solutions that actually change people's behaviors and skills, and we can connect our training and learning and talent development solution to business goals and priorities. When we think about ourselves as being that and doing that, we can stand boldly and be courageous and have very different kinds of conversations with stakeholders who want to have that order-taking conversation uh, with us. We can shift that conversation. We can move that conversation. We can redirect that conversation. So when we're very strong and very clear about our identity, when we're strong and clear about fulfilling our purpose, we can then help the business see us a different kind of way as we begin to see our own selves in a very different kind of way. Uh, and I'd like to add to that as well, because I was speaking to um, just a, it's a potential client and had a really interesting conversation because I was asking this person all these questions about, well, what are you trying to achieve? What's the business trying to achieve? And, and she was sort of saying, I'd love to be able to tell you, but honestly, the business can't even tell me what they're trying to do. And so I can't give my L&D team clarity because the business isn't clear. So I think we, we could even, dare I say, be going deeper than what your aspirations are, Kevin, in that not only do we, we help the business, but we help the business to such an extent we start to ask those questions that nobody else is asking. Like, what are we really trying to do here? Mm-hmm, you know, maybe mm-hmm. nobody's actually asking it. And if you don't, if the business doesn't have clarity, then L&D are never going to have clarity on, on what they need to do. But if we start asking those questions about how do we align ourselves with the, with the business and what is the business trying to achieve in this next year, in the next five years, what can we actually do to, to make things better, to improve our performance? But if the business doesn't know, then just by asking that question, that might make a huge difference to just the way the business performs as well. That's yeah. so important because also, uh, I find this as well when it comes to measures and most businesses don't measure the performance of their people that well anyway at the moment. They don't because they don't have that clarity. They don't have those measures. They don't have that clarity of purpose. So it is that does hamper learning and development. All of those things are in our way. And it's, it's incredible how much value we can add through those conversations. I think it's a really important point. I think it was you, Kevin, that said about... Um, Oh God, I forgot my words now. Well, well, I've said I've, I've said so many things, John. So I can't. I know, and they're all they're all good, <laughs> and they're all good, and we're, we're agreeing about everything. So just to sort yeah. of play devil, devil's advocate here, if I'm in a position of a business, I kind of know how to run the business. It's okay, everything's doing fine. The way the way people work, we can't really realistically measure performance to any kind of useful nth degree. So I just kind of like, you know, we have our performance process, uh, performance review process, but that's kind of it. I just need you to do some training courses because that keeps people happy. I'm not really interested in having this conversation and need to tick a box. Where'd you go then? That's a, that's a very interesting one because I've, I've been in that situation on a number of occasions with um, somebody I worked for, but also um, potential clients as well. And I, I, what I've learned to do actually from potential clients is I've had to actually step away. 
I've actually had to say no to work because all they want me to do is deliver. And I've done it because in the past I've done something which is just training. They just want me to do it. And I thought, okay, it's, you know, X amount of money and blah, blah, I'll, I'll do it. And I've done it. And what's happened is that it's had no impact and it's had no meaning and nothing has changed. And they didn't invite me back again, even though the feedback was fantastic. You know, and I just think, well, is this a waste of my time and is this a waste of their time if I'm just doing that training? So, again, I just think, well, and it comes back to bravery, I suppose. Mm. Um, and, mm -hmm. you know, brave enough that I think now I've got to that point in my life that my reputation is really important to me, you know, the reputation that I have. And so if I am proposing that people do this analysis bit and they get closer to the business and yet I take on work while I'm just delivering a training sticking plaster, then, you know, I, I won't be seen as authentic. I won't be seen as having a reputation or standing by what I'm actually talking about. And so I have had to walk away. Um, and the company that, that I worked for that, that operated in that way, I left them because I, I felt is a real jar against my values and what I, what I was hoping to do because it was, yeah, yeah, we just need to tick a box. Well, I, I want to do more with what I do than just tick a box. I want it to have impact. I want it to have meaning. I want the money that people spend on my salary or my fee or whatever to, for people to say, do you know what? That was worth every penny. And we'd have her back any time at all. So for me, it's sort of that satisfaction as well. It's 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 moving away from bravery and actually satisfaction and um, jarring against my values as well. I I think there is that there is that ethical angle there of I'm unwilling to do something that I know won't work. I know won't have the impact. There is an ethical angle there. I totally agree with you. And I think if you've got the luxury of being able to say no, I think that's great. But let, let's assume just. Kevin, I'll turn to you to sort of twist the question slightly. Let's assume yeah. you can't you can't walk away because you're either you're either in an internal position or you just really need the work. Yep, yep, and and that's an awesome question. And there are situations where what you describe absolutely happens, where the business isn't interested in having that deeper conversation with training and learning uh, and development team to help the team uncover what the real business strategy is, what the real business goals are. So yes, John, that does happen. And therein lies the greatest opportunity for data. Because with data, John and Christina, we can go back to the business and say, you know what? I can tick a box. Here is some data that shows a tick the box program. <laughs> and so what we can show is that when we are just focused on ticking the box and just delivering training for training's sake because we needed to do it, we can use data and facts and evidence to show that when we don't align to business, when we don't create learning solutions that enhance performance, absolutely nothing happens. There is no change. The needle does not move on whether or not the business achieved a goal or whether or not people's performance was somehow enhanced. So if the data shows that tick the box uh, exercises and training makes zero impact, then I would hope that that somehow changes someone's mind about engaging in a conversation that is strictly based on order taking. So for me, John, you've brought it right back to what's so very important to Christina and I, and that is using data and measurement and facts and evidence to inform decisions. So in those instances where the 
the guidance and the direction is to just do training for training's sake. When we are empowered with data that shows that nothing happened as a result of training, then that's when we can then begin to get the business and the organization and stakeholders to think very differently. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I think, think that's a really good answer. Sense. Yeah, that's good. why data and measurement is so important, and that's why it's so critical. And the thing is, just because the data says that nothing changed, or if the data says the training didn't work, that's not always a bad thing. Because when we get that data, we are empowered to stop doing what's not working <laughs> and start to do what does work. So yeah, that that's a very that's a great scenario that you you created for Christina and I, John, uh, and and. And, and my belief, again, is that data speaks louder than words. And so it's not what Kevin thinks. It's not what Christina thinks. It's what does the data tell us about the impact of training, learning, and talent development. I think that's a, it's a really good point. And I, I think it, it's that point about if we are renegotiating our identity, then we do need to back that up with something more than fancy words. We do need That's to right. have something that shows this. No, this does have a positive business impact. And of course, I mean, we can be pragmatic. I've been in this situation where you pragmatically say, "Okay, I understand that you are being judged by your um, managers on your ability to to tick this box and that box. I can help you do that. But can we also try this? Can we also try focusing on business performance? Can we also try this at the same time? I'll help you tick your boxes. I know you need that." But then let's also do something else. And, and, and the thing is, I get it, right? I am so empathetic to, to stakeholders and to the organization, to the business. I am even empathetic to ourselves as learning and development brothers and sisters because this paradigm shift, this change in mindset, it's not easy. Uh, and sometimes it feels very uncomfortable. Sometimes it feels like we're reaching into something that we shouldn't be reaching into. So I don't ever want to give the impression that it is as simple as flipping a switch when it comes to changing our thought, changing the way that we engage with uh, the business. It can be very difficult, you know, and I've encountered some challenges with that. You know, Christina even described some challenges. So it's a process. It's going to take time. I believe that we're going to get there. I, I honestly believe that we are going to get there. But just in terms of, of changing that mindset and us beginning to use data to inform decisions and take action, you know, that, that's something that's going to happen over time. I'm just excited to see that it is starting to happen. I'm excited that it is now part of our conversations where, where it never was, right? So for me, I believe that there is just tremendous opportunity um, as we think about our identity and how part of that identity is using data and measurement to inform decisions. I, I believe that it's going to happen. And as we use more data, we, we can then become less brave because we don't need bravery. We're not stepping out. We're, we're being supportive <laughs> of the evidence. And just, just the talk of being brave and, and, you know, courageous and all the rest, it may put some people off, you know, they think, I don't want to be brave. I just want to get yeah. on with my job and, you know, carry on. And so actually it, we, we need to be less brave because the evidence will show us that what I we're doing that. is either being effective or it's not being effective. You know, there'll I be some that, sort of outcome. 
Yeah, but yeah. Then, yeah, then it's like, you know, don't be mad at me. This is what the data says. Yeah, well, we don't, don't have blame to blame the messenger. Well, exactly. <laughs> so we don't have to stand firm. I mean, there is a certain amount, and I've spoken to lots of organizations who have gone through this transition where they've moved from being um, a, pro, um, a reactive um, L&D function to a proactive L&D function. <clears throat> and there's always somebody has to sort of like say, okay, <clears throat> from today, we're going to do things differently and we're going to have to do this. We're going to have to say to people, okay, can I have 10 minutes of your time just to have a conversation about what it is you really want just so that I can get to the bottom of it and provide the best solution for you and to make the biggest impact. So there's a bravery in that statement. But from then on, if you can provide some evidence and some data to back it up, say, well, look, this area, this isn't working. You know, we've been doing training in this all this time and nothing has actually worked. The, it becomes then less about you and more about what's actually really happening in the, in, in the organization. And here are the figures. And they're not looking at you then. They're looking at the, the figures. And then if they believe that then, then they're going to keep looking at the figures and they're going to want to see how you can make an impact. And I think that that will then create that paradigm shift that Kevin was talking about earlier, that actually instead of looking at you as to what what, what should you be doing or what are you doing, L&D, it's sort of like, okay, well, the data is telling us this. How can we shift it? You know, And it becomes less of about what are you going to do than how are we going to work together to change what's happening. I think it, it's that idea that you get what you measure. And therefore, if you put the measures in front of people, they take an interest in them and they, they, will, they will value them. So if you're able to put impact measures, here's, here's, here's an impact we had on business outcomes. Here's, here's an estimate of value add to the organization or whatever. They will take an interest in that. Yeah. If and you're just saying you, bums on seats and how many people can yeah. have a happy, happy face, they're going to be thinking, eh, that's not driving my business. Well, let me tell you just a story that I heard not probably about six months ago. Somebody, and I won't mention who it is and what have you, but it's somebody in a major supermarket who um, has left the L&D function and told me that basically they had spent hundreds of thousands on a management development program and their job was then to find out what impact it had had and when they looked into it it had zero impact nothing had happened as a as a result of it what they wanted to do at the start was to actually give their line managers um, more confidence they wanted them to have a feel-good factor well nothing changed they didn't have more confidence and there wasn't a, a better feel-good factor so this person then is left with, well, what do I do here? And they ended up leaving because the, the organization just wanted to dispense this whole program and spend all of this money for doing basically something that didn't have any impact whatsoever, not even on morale or retention, nothing, absolutely zero. And how crazy is that? As you can probably hear, Chris, my head is in my hands at the moment. I know. It's just, I, I, when I heard this from this person, I thought that is so bonkers. How can you ask after the program? On? After well, the program. Exactly. See if it had, That's, oh, my God. But yeah, and it so happens just, far too often. That, yeah. That's it an does. example, Christina, of what just happens so much uh, across learning and development, across continent, across countries. So it's, it's not even limited to any part of the world. It's something that is continuing to happen. And so for me, I just go back to, I believe what we're all saying. If the data says the training doesn't work, stop doing it and do what does. Don't Absolutely. continue to invest 
um, monetarily and don't continue to invest in people's time for something that will have no result at all. That makes no sense. <laughs> I, I, I well, think part of the us, problem is, it's... I was going to say, I think part of the problem is the data isn't there and therefore they're not in a position to say whether or not it works or not. I think that that's, that's the key problem. Yeah, the, the data is there and, and, and the data that's there is that people like the training, they like the instructor, they like the food and they like the facilities where the training took place. And so somehow that's interpreted as successful. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's another thing. This, this, this brings me on to a, a couple of points. One is, I think we need to have a, a separate discussion where we go into a lot more depth of how we can get this data so it is reliable, qualitative, solid data. But that's going to have to be a separate conversation because there's quite a lot to talk about there. There is, loads. I think one of the things that always amazes me about L&D projects is we don't treat them like projects. And if you, any other walk of part of the business, if you were given £100,000, whatever, and said, deliver this project, you would treat it like a project. You would manage it using a project management methodology. And the first step in that is always is build a business case, which is what are you going to deliver? How valuable is it? And all of that, those kind of questions. And we don't do that in L&D. We rush to kind of design. We rush to delivery. We don't, because that's what most L&D professionals love. They want to be in the training room. That's what we enjoy. We, that's what we're motivated by. We don't do that first step that every other kind of project has to do. Is, and, and, and it has that question in, after the initiation phase before you get into implementation. Is this worth it? Is this business case worth that 100 grand we're going to spend on it? We don't do that. No, and this goes back to our identity. This is why we're in crisis. Exactly. Because we don't know that we should be doing that. And again, there's this fear of, well, how do I insist? How do I insist? What is it that I have to do to make sure that the business is asking me to do the right thing? And so there is that fear within the profession. We don't know how to put, put together um, a business case. And so if you don't know how to put a business case and you are sitting there wondering, what should I do? Go and talk to your accounts department or your accountants or the finance team or whatever and say, look, I, want, I need to put a business case together. Show me how to do that. Work with the business to do that, to get some meaningful information. Yeah, and, and, and I, I'm, I'm empathetic to our service. Because again, I totally get it. I've been in L&D now for just a little over 20 years. And so I just, I know and remember who we used to be uh, and I know who we are. And so we're being called upon now to use some different types of skills um, and behaviors and to have a different kind of mindset than that which we've had over the years, right? So John, when you talk about project management, you know, that's not part of our DNA, just to be quite candid. That's not how we've worked. Um, when we talk about you using data and measurement, that's not part of our DNA. That's not how we worked. So the challenge now is that we're being called upon to think differently, to act differently, and to behave differently. And that's not always easy. So there are skill sets, uh, there's capability that has not been historically a part of our DNA. And that's okay, because just like we provide training and learning and professional development opportunities for the people we serve to do something different. We can do something different also. So, you know, that's where I, I, I try to uh, be empathetic when I think about this identity crisis, because it's just not always easy to make that shift. Um, but I'm encouraged uh, and I am excited because I do see the shift. I see 
new types of skills coming into L&B as a profession. I see new types of people coming into our profession, bringing different types of skills and capability that we've historically not seen. So to your point, John, yet, you know, when we think about that whole project management mentality, you know, maybe we've not done that so well. But I'm encouraged and I'm excited because I'm beginning to see more of that embedded in our processes and the way that we work. You know, I'm beginning to see uh, L&D teams using project management methods like Agile, uh, for example. So, you know, I believe that there's hope. <laughs> there's definitely hope. And there's oh, also yeah, there's professional, professional bodies. Um, and I, I don't know about um, the U.S., but I know that the CIPD and the LPI certainly are including stuff which is a lot broader than perhaps 10, 20 years ago than we would have put into our remit in L&D. And that's encouraging because these are the bodies that should be actually setting an example. I would just like it to happen faster. That's yeah, all. me too. Well, I, wish, well, I wish I could, we could just wave a, a magic wand. Fast forward. Yeah, 20 years. Yeah. 20 years. But let's assume we can't do that. And we have to advise um, people on what actually practical things could they do? Because um, I'm a great believer in the quote, I think it was a guy called Jerry Sternin said, it's easier to act your way into a new way of thinking than think your way into a new way of acting. Ooh, so I think I love it, that. Oh, I like it's good, that. isn't it? It's good. And, yes. But what you're saying That's is do, stuff. Yeah, do stuff, do new stuff. So write business cases would be my, my thing that oh. I'm going to say in a second. And then, then your mindset will shift. Your mindset will, will flow rather than go too hard at the mindset and then it's sort of expect the actions to kind of get into line do the actions first you know, would, what can we do what specific advice can we say, give people mine is write a business case sorry my first thing which i'm itching to say is be curious get nosy find out what's going on if you can start that it will start the conversations i mean people appreciate you being interested in what they're doing and what their organization the organization what their teams are doing and asking questions genuine curiosity people appreciate that and so if you can start just by being nosy what's really going on okay you say you want um, a program uh, for the for the team leaders or the line managers but what's going on what needs fixing tell me what's happening what's not been happening get nosy and ask questions that's my key thing to the start of this journey i believe and, and, and what, here's what would so that look like practically Christi so christina what would that look like practically what would what would people see so, you doing so when somebody comes in with a request to deliver a particular program or a, a training course or whatever i i would say to people this is what i've done in the past i haven't said actually we need a business case and i think you need to uh, justify why we're doing it because that would be seen as being confrontational so i would say to them well, that's really interesting. You had um, a, a conflict management course just last year. Tell me what's been going on. Can we have 10 minutes to find out how that went and what were the results from it? Or why do you think they need a refresher? So it's when that request comes in and it's a refresher or it's something that, you, you know, you know it's not going to have an impact because it's been done before or they haven't really got a grasp of the issue, then you need to just... At that conversation, at that point where you get that request, start asking questions. Ask them, could I just have 10 minutes of your time? And just to find out a little bit more, to give, to give us more context, to give us a real focus and also help us to really make a difference to what you're hoping to achieve. Does that help, John? 
Yeah, that's great. Thanks, Chris. I think that's a really important point. I'm sorry, Kevin, I was interrupting you. No, actually, I was just on pins and needles. And here is what is absolutely hilarious. I wanted to get in that same point that Christina was on the edge of her seat for wanting <laughs> to get in. Curiosity. It's curiosity. Yeah. And that just speaks to how aligned and what kindred spirits uh, Christina and I are. So to, to answer that question, John, what could someone do today to, to have impact or to behave differently or think differently? I can't think of a better answer than what Christina already gave, and that is to be curious, right? So what does curious looks lo look like? So for me, curious looks like asking three questions. The first question is, what is the organization trying to achieve? What is the organization goal? The second question is, what are the performance requirements that people need to have in order to achieve that organization goal? And then the third question is, what does that performance look like day to day, real time? So as people are using those skills and behaviors that are going to help them achieve the organization goal, what does that look like day to day? So I think that what Christina and I are both saying is that it starts with mindset and that mindset set is curiosity. If you can be curious enough to want to know what the business or the organization is trying to achieve beyond delivering a training, I believe that that sets you on the path for success because you shift the conversation. You're not talking about training. You're talking about organization goals. You're talking about performance requirements. You're talking about how do those skills and behaviors show up day to day. And that has nothing to do with training. So if we can shift our thought shift our mindset and be curious, I believe that that is what leads to something very wonderful and very different happening with how we can impact the business. It does, because a lot of the criticism of L&D as well is it tends to be quite isolated. They sit in a different part of the building, they do their training courses probably brilliantly, but they're not they're not in the business. They're not knitted in. They're not, they don't have that curiosity about what everybody's doing and how it all kind of adds up to delivering value or whatever. So it's a really important point, and there's some really practical stuff there that people can do. And those three questions, I think, are just spot on. They're absolutely spot on. I mean, if if we can just have those on the website, you know, on the Trainer Tools uh, podcast website, the three things that people need to ask, you know, to get that curiosity, I think those are so focused and so on the money. That, well, uh, sh shameless plug here, Christina. I wrote an article about that. Did you? <laughs> and did I'm you? happy to share. I did just very recently. I yeah. wrote an article talking about the three questions that get to identifying how we should be leveraging training, learning, and professional development to help the business reach its goals. So, well, yeah. Send me, well, send me those. As well. Yeah, yeah send, send me that link, I, Kevin. I'll put it on the site. I want, to, I want to include those three questions in my book that's coming up as well. So, Oh, I you're plugging your book as well now. I'm plugging my book. Kevin's plugging his yeah. article. You plug your book. Yeah. I got a book coming too. Uh -huh. <laughs> All right, well, send me a link or whatever blurb about your books, and I'll put that on as well. All right, then. Fantastic. Sure. So, so we can shift all the, the shameless plugging onto the website. And, um, <laughs> so um, we said about being curious. Um, we said about maybe taking a, a, a sort of a professional approach and thinking about the role of something like a business case. We talked about the importance of aligning with the business and just how important that is, that the, the measures we choose, the language we use, and our understanding has to be aligned with what the business care about. Really important point that we made near the beginning of this discussion, I think, is focusing on those performance outcomes, not 
things like bums on seats and stuff like that. The, the, those traditional measures, and as, as you said, Kevin, did 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 they like the catering? Did they like the room? Like that's not valuable to the business. And, and we're talking about renegotiating our identity, so sort of changing our mindset, but also trying to change their mindset. So we're focusing on performance. I think you said performance consultants. Absolutely, we is that what you said? We are performance consultants. We, I believe that we are. I believe that at the heart of what we do is using our solutions to impact people's performance. So again, it's about that identity um, and it's about that mindset. So you know, I stopped seeing myself as a training professional. Oh, maybe. 10, eight, nine, maybe years ago. Um, and so now I see myself as a performance consultant. Uh, I see myself as part of an industry that is helping people be the best they can be with perform performance and learning and training solutions. Uh, but first and foremost, I see myself as a performance consultant and I am using facts, evidence, and, and data and measurement um, to show the extent to which those solutions are actually impacting performance and impacting business goals. Yeah, I, I think that's an important. The language we use is so key in terms of helping people understand what we are there to do. Uh, I, words not, matter. Yeah, the words really do matter. They really do. I, I'm not sure we've quite cracked that, and I don't think performance consultant is quite specific enough. But I can't actually think of anything better. <laughs> And just, I mean, you've done a great summary, John. Um, I, th I think what you've summarised there is really the, the essence of what we've been talking about. And people may still come up against a barrier. And and what I would suggest, if, if there is a barrier, if there is a resistance within the organisation, then they need to start looking at how they... Um, how they engage with their stakeholders and identify the right stakeholders to work with as well in the right way. And and again, if, if they don't know who it is that they have to engage with, a very simple way of doing that is think about who has impact in the organization and influence and think about also who supports you. And use those first and foremost to then convert those people that might not be for you but have lots of impact and influence as well. So it's about sort of being also engaging with the right people and developing relationships with the right people in the business as well. So that's just a tip if people come, come up to a barrier to actually changing or, or, or um, adopting an identity which is what they're, they're searching for. That's a really good point, Chris. Thanks for that. And and I really do want to dig deeper and have another kind of evaluation geek fest conversation with you about how do we really get this data. So let's let's if if you're up for that, we'll have that conversation on a, on another podcast. Well, I would if love you're it. looking, yeah, if you're looking for a geek fest, you got you got the right two people here. Yeah, I absolutely. think so. We're going to geek out big time. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, listen, both. Thanks very much. That's been a really interesting conversation, and and I think it's it's, it's a necessary conversation for our industry, um, for our L and D brothers and sisters. To quote you, Kevin, it's a necessary conversation that we think about our identity. That we're not just here to deliver training. We are really about how people can be empowered to perform better in the in their organisation. So, it's, this is exactly what I've been um, spending a lot of my brain power on over the last few months as well. So, this has been a brilliant conversation. So, thank Absolutely. you both very much. And, and thank you, John. Yes, thank you, John. And thanks, Kevin, as well. I've really, really enjoyed chatting to both of you. So thank you. Oh, don't start again, you two, with your... Uh, <laughs> <mutual>. <laughs>